Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Climbing the on the Fan Sided Network. This is your host, Alex Pat, alongside Adam McGinnis. Welcome to this regular season finale, at least for us. Uh, the Cubs have a week and a half left in the regular season. This is going to be our final show during the regular season. The next time we hit these podcast waves, we will be talking after the regular season concludes, hopefully or or during a playoff game or series. Uh, So we got a lot to talk about today. Stick with us during this big series against the Cardinals. We got a lot coming at you. Adam, how are you? Peachy. Good. Good to hear. So we're recording this just as game one of this crucial Cardinals series at Wrigley Field is starting. Kyle Hendricks is on the mound. We have a lot to talk about when it comes to Anthony Rizzo, so we'll get into that in a minute. But I just kind of want to ask you, how are you feeling in terms of this team? Just It's been such a wild up and down week, like pretty much every week and this season. How are you feeling going into this? Where do you see this finishing? It. My emotions, my feelings keep changing day by day. I mean, it these these guys they give me one impression and then it changes the next day. Um, sweeping Pittsburgh was great, and then losing a series to Cincinnati was not great. It's a little easier to swallow, I think, since they swept Pittsburgh, because you can look at it. I mean, it's the exact same as if they'd have taken two out of three against both teams, and I think most people would be okay with that. But when you lose a series to a losing team at home, that tends to accentuate people's frustrations a little bit, myself included, because those those are games that they, they probably should have won. I mean, that's one of those Cincinnati losses yesterday, as I'm talking about, that's the one that I think you needed to take. Because yeah. I, th- I, I think that most people understand and realize Sonny Gray is a good pitcher and he's had a good year. So losing to Sonny Gray is that's, that's not outrageous. You know, that's going to happen. Sonny Gray's yeah. had a very good season, but losing to Tyler Malley at home, that's one that you really feel like you let go and you'd like to have that one back. Having said all that, this is the series that starts tonight. That is most important. This is the one that is, is going to define uh, the Cubs season. I think. Because I mean, we talked about with the Brewers series they had a while ago. We said going into that one, because the Brewers were not playing very good ball at the time, and they were kind of on the outside looking in. We said, by the end of this series, either the Brewers will be buried or they'll be alive in the divisional race again. And that's, what, that's the case for the Cubs right now. By the end of this four-game series with the Cardinals, the Cubs will either be buried or they'll have new life in the divisional race. So to break it down, uh, I wanted to go over this real quick. Uh, As it stands right now, going into this four-game series, again, if you're listening to this and it's a win or a loss, I'm sorry. That's just how we're reading it right now. Uh, So winning three of four, you would still trail by a game. If you split, nothing's changed. Three back. Losing three of four, you'd be five back. So... Basically, that would bury you in a division race. The only way you can pass the Cardinals is if you sweep this four-game set. That's the only way. Now, if you win three of four and you're within one, then 
you're feeling a lot better. I mean, you're right there. Well, and they're absolutely they, right there. They do have another three game series with the Cardinals, too. Yes. Yes, you do. The other thing is that you look at the situation and you say to yourself, you just want to stay alive in a wild card at the very least. But one of the problems is you have the Brewers who are red hot. They're, they're doing what they were doing last year at this time, pretty much. And they have a soft schedule. So and you're not Christian just Yelich this time and too. without Christian Yelich, yes. So that makes it all the more frustrating. And you see the Nationals are kind of slipping a bit. So it's very possible. It is very, very possible that it could be a Cubs Brewers wild card game if you make the wild card game. It, that's and, not out of possibility. And and I wouldn't feel very good about that. I wouldn't I mean, either. I, I think that I can't even say it enough times that on paper the Cubs are a much more talented team than the I Brewers. Agree. And, I agree. And I think that you know, no matter who the Cubs trot out there, I think that they, they'd have it set up so that the pitching matchup favors the Cubs heavily, but I still would not feel good about it just because it's the Brewers and the Cubs have, have been so shaky. Yeah, exactly. And, and the Brewers, they, they have this mojo that just happens to them in September. I mean, look at them. They, they, you look at how they beat the Cardinals the other day. It was one strike away. Ryan Braun hits a home run. Now, here's the funny thing. A lot of Cubs fans were celebrating, but I'm like, yeah, that helps out their division cause, but that also gives the Brewers a heck lot more life. It was very conflicting. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. I I wasn't exactly celebrating that Brian Braun Grand Slam. I myself was not entirely sure who I should be rooting for, so I, I didn't really know what to think of it either. Yeah, it's because we've seen in sports where you focus on one team and it's kind of the be careful what you wish for thing. And if you wish for one team to win and another team to lose, you may end up regretting that. It's it's funny because two weeks ago, I was like, okay, I'm fully focused on the Cardinals. The Brewers are, are done. They're behind us. Now I'm kind of more worried about the Brewers and the Cardinals, and we're playing the Cardinals. It's it's weird how it goes up and down like that. That's what happens in a tight race. Yeah, well, and it, I mean, in these tight races too, it's it's this is this is what I like about it is it's got me watching a lot more baseball than I otherwise would because I'm watching I'm trying to watch as many Brewers games as I can and Cardinals games. Which, by the way, shout out to the San Diego Padres for being absolutely worthless. It's lucky they even won a game, honestly. And people were so high on the Padres this year. I mean, there there were a lot of people who thought this was the year that maybe the Padres would arrive. Did you see it? Yeah. Oh, I, yeah. I didn't see it. Oh, I. Oh, you mean from the fans? I saw it from the fans. The team itself. I thought they could be decently competitive, but I didn't think there were going to be some huge leap team yet they got a lot of young talent and they got Manny Machado but they got a long ways to go in development could you make the argument that Machado has been pretty disappointing this year yeah yeah I 
I'll look at the numbers right now, but two fifty. He's hitting two fifty three, which I mean, that's that's not that's not bad, but it's it's not for a dude who just got that much money. Yeah, for a for a historic contract. I mean, let's let's see what his other number. He thirty home runs. That's good, and eighty two RBI. Uh, on base percentage three thirty two. That's not so great for a superstar. Slugging four fifty six. Yeah, I mean, those, the, the sub eight hundred OPS kind of gets me. Yeah, so it, it makes him a he's a valuable player, but I think for the contract he signed, this is a letdown year. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I I still part of me thinks that he didn't choose the best ballpark for the type of player he is. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I suppose. I tend to think that unless it's Coors Field, the whole the ballpark factor isn't as big of a deal as some people think. Normally, I'd think, agree, but think San Diego is notoriously pitcher friendly. I maybe San Diego. I I just think that no matter what ballpark it is, your numbers are more or less going to be what they're going to be. And I mean that's a fair argument. You can't always make excuses for that. But, yeah, I, I can agree. It's, cer- it's certainly, the ballpark certainly isn't going to affect, I, I I mean, I guess it does a little bit, but it, it's not going to, it's not going to change your eye at the plate taking walks. No, I, I just, I, I could definitely agree. It's, it's disappointing for him. The numbers across the board, just in general, not bad. Not, not bad, bad no. But, but for hundreds of millions of dollars, probably not what you were hoping for. Right. Like, if this was a guy that signed like a four, five year deal, like around 60 million, you'd say, yeah, this is this is very acceptable. Now, at this rate, nah. you look at last year, he batted 297, 367, 538, 905 OPS between Baltimore and L.A. That's much more like the player people expected from him. Now, the year before, 259, 310, 471, 33 home runs. Again, not bad, but not where he was early in his career when he was really putting up good numbers. So, yeah, that and you can't just blame it on Manny, but there's a lot of factors. There's a lot of factors there that are that are part of the team, just not being as good as they are. Part of it is, you know, Fernando Tatis Jr. got hurt, and your pitching is still, you're starting pitching, you still need to put actual names in that rotation. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that's a long way. But going back to what we were talking about originally, you couldn't really rely on the Padres to help you out that much at this point of the game. You you really couldn't. You weren't expecting it, but you still cross your fingers. Of course. And going back to that pirate series for the Cubs, when they put up a, a historical, they were number scoring of runs. touchdowns. Yeah, they were. I mean, they were outscoring the Bears, which isn't really that hard, but that's a whole other story. You knew that wasn't going to stick around. And like you said earlier, getting beaten by Sonny Gray, I wasn't mad. I was kind of expecting it. Whatever. But last night's game, that finale against the Reds, that was a gut punch to me. Yeah. That really hurt. Yeah, that's that's a game that you feel like you needed. I mean, it 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 makes it hurt that much worse 
the fact that it was a home game because the Cubs have been really good at home, and so you part of you just expects them to take care of business at Wrigley Field. And, yeah, dropping a series to the Reds hurts. But also, the Reds have just totally owned the Cubs this year. I mean, it's been, it's been bizarre. Yep. And so it's part of that factors into it, too. But, again, tonight's series, the, the, the series that starts tonight, this is the big one. Mm-hmm. This is the one that's going to set the tone for the rest of the regular season for these last two weeks. I mean, that's it's a whole different discussion if the Cubs can take three out of four. Absolutely. Because one game back is certainly a lot better than three or four or five. I and mean, I mean, my... and, it, and not just not just uh, for numbers wise either. But I mean, say say the Cubs take three or four or, or even sweep. The, then the Cubs have momentum after that and the Cardinals are reeling and feeling mm-hmm. like they're slipping a little bit. I mm-hmm. mean, even that is huge, too. The other thing I'm thinking about, though, is going back to the Brewers. The Cardinals and Cubs just beat each other up back and forth. That's an opportunity for the Brewers to just pass them by. You've got, you got two people fighting, and you just kind of walk ahead of them. Right. Well, I mean, the hope is that the Brewers play like the Brewers, like the team that they actually are, and maybe they come back down to earth a little bit. Because Don't, Not against this. This schedule is really soft for them. They've got a, they've got a super pud schedule the rest of the way out. They do. But, but it, it, I mean, it's also a team that, that should not be playing as well as they are. But, you know, again, it's, it's they've only got three series left. And so if they're hot, they're hot. And there's nothing the Cubs can do about it. But Well, there was something they could have done about it, but they didn't do it. Well, that time is gone. Yeah, that's that's over now. At this point, worst case scenario, they're, they're still clinging to a wild card spot. That's That's got to be the worst case scenario. You know, obviously, they're still in a position where if they falter enough, they could miss the postseason entirely, and that's that's still a very real possibility. But I mean, you the Cubs can control things right now. I think the Brewers. I think they'll drop one of those last three series. I believe that they will, and so I think it's it's just going to be a matter of the Cubs taking care of business. I mean, I know, I know that sounds really cliche, but I mean, this is crunch time. Yeah, well, we've been saying that a while now, um, and we've seen no consistency, unfortunately. What what just it, what makes it so frustrating is that you see these stretches of games, of like four or five games, where they look like the team we expected them to be, and they look indestructible. And then they come crashing down and play a series exactly like you saw against the Cincinnati Reds. And I, I wasn't asking for a ton of runs yesterday. But enough to beat the Reds. I, all you had to do was score three or four. You would have won the game. Off a guy who had a five ERA. You look at that Reds team. Completely yeah. depleted. I mean, you had Vado and Suarez. Outside that, you didn't know who half those guys were in that lineup. Yeah, I, I don't know what it is about the Reds. But they, they, they've just owned the Cubs. And yeah. it's, it's frustrating. It really... It, it it makes you angry. I get it. I I feel the same way. But I mean, tonight tonight is the night that the Cubs can turn it around and maybe change some people's minds. You can hope. I wanted to talk about the starting pitching a little bit. Um, it's 
it's been shaky. Yeah. To say the least. Now, the Darvish start the other night when he had all those strikeouts in a row. He recorded all those Ks. He ultimately went seven innings, four runs. That is pretty much a quality start. I mean, a quality start is Mm. at least six innings, three runs. I'm not saying it was a quality start, but he did keep the Cubs in the game. Yeah. Yeah, I, I have mixed feelings about it. Darvish, overall over this this past stretch has been very good but the the, la- the last start I think people were so enamored with the the 13 strikeouts that they forgot that he gave up four runs in seven innings which in my opinion is is not great I mean that's still very much a winnable ball game but the way fans reacted you'd have thought that Darvish just absolutely dominated that baseball game when in reality if you you look past the strikeouts it was just entirely average uh, so I, I didn't really get the the hype there. I think that it, it fell squarely on both sides of the ball. I don't think that you could blame the pitching or the the lineup one or the other. I think it was it was on both of them. But yeah, it's I'm I'm not entirely confident in the rotation or the bullpen right now. They've both been pretty shaky. But we've seen good stretches from both of them, and so that's that's really all the encouragement you can gather from that is that you you hope that they can flip that switch on for a couple of weeks here. Well, you know, the thing about Darvish that one night, I'll just go back to this really quick. What hurt me watching it was him giving up that fourth run because after that first inning, he looked like he was completely settled in, again, with all the strikeouts. Mm-hmm. If, if he would have kept that run off the board, because it started when the pitcher got a hit. If you don't allow that and you go seven innings, three runs, that's a whole different story. Well, and- do you do you think that the strikeouts are a part of the reason why he gives up some runs? Do you Do you think, what I'm asking is, do you think that he's focusing so hard on trying to strike guys out that he's sort of nibbling a little bit and giving up some home runs and spots that he might not otherwise? Well, I I definitely think that is part of it. When you think about it, Darvish tries to get a lot of swings and misses on breaking pitches. And And sometimes they don't break. And that's the kind of pitcher he is. You're not, and you're not going to ask a strikeout pitcher to, to pitch for contact to do something that he's not used to doing. I think that sometimes, though, that maybe he he just gets a little picky too much. Of course. I mean, that's I think that was part of the problem early on this season uh, when mm-hmm. he was giving up a lot more home runs and he was walking guys because he was he was trying to strike guys out, but he was also overthrowing. He's done a much better job of controlling the command. I, I think part of the problem in that first inning and that Darvish start was the breaking balls didn't have any movement on it. As time went on, he got the movement on the breaking balls, but you saw a lot of pitches up with little movement. And when that happens, they're going to get crushed and they did get crushed. So I, I think that was just not everything was working in sync. It, it just kind of stinks because, you know, after that first inning, he was really, really good. But all that really matters are the runs you give up. But even aside from Darvish, you look at the concerns with, like, Cole Hamels. Dude is not right yeah, at Cole all. Yeah, Hamill, Cole Hamels is a guy that I'm not sure I want to see 
at all in the postseason, if if there is a postseason for Chicago, unless it absolutely comes down to that and they don't really have another choice. Colts, which so, is yeah. wild because right. early Some, in the season you said the opposite. Well, it's it's got to have something to do with with coming off the IL. It's got to mm-hmm. have something to do with a lingering injury that maybe they're not telling us about. Some discomfort, maybe mechanically he's just not in the right rhythm. I don't know, but something's off about Cole Hamels. Well, you look at the way his pitches are being thrown and where they're landing. A lot of them up and away. He's the missing up, spots. Routine. He's missing his spots. Yes. He's getting some swings and misses with the changeup. When he's trying to get ahead of the count with the fastball, it's it's not in that right spot. It's not. And that leads to a lot of deep pitch counts. And you saw the other night, he only went, what, like three and a third innings, roughly? Yeah. I mean, they're, 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 they're not getting much at all out of him. And he just does not look good. He doesn't look comfortable up there. And he's always uh, having to struggle to get out of innings. It's been tough to watch. Which is a, a shame because before he hit the injured list, he was really pitching well. Yes, he was. He was probably their most reliable starter. He was the most the consistent for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's it stinks because look, Kyle Hendricks. Overall, you'd say yeah, you rely on him. The road numbers may scare you a little bit, but we have seen him throw some very good games on the road. I think the road home thing may be overblown a little bit because there's been just a handful of road games where it went so awry for Hendricks that it really ballooned those road stats. I mean, there's no doubt he's better at home. There's no doubt about it as a whole. But he's shown that he can pitch well on the road is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, well, I think for me, it's it's more just the team in general, not just the pitching that I would want home. I mean, because the Cubs are fifty-one and twenty-six at home and thirty-one and forty-four on the road. So if I, so yeah, I want the Cubs playing at home if possible. Oh yeah, of course. I mean, that's just natural in general to want to play at home. Yeah, all of that especially with this team, especially with them. Uh, okay, here's a question for you. Because I'm really having a trouble putting my finger on it. Where is your trust level with Jose Quintana? Because every time he puts together a couple really good starts and I go on and on about how good he's been, he has an absolute dog turd of a game, like we saw on Sunday. Yeah, so kind of like with the team in general, uh, I'm in a position where if Jose Quintana goes out and tosses a gem, not surprised at all. If Jose Quintana goes out and gives up seven runs in three innings, not surprised at all. So, uh, yeah, I'm at a point where I have absolutely no idea what to expect from Q. No idea whatsoever, which doesn't inspire much confidence. Uh, ideally, in these last couple weeks, you'd like to see him put two good starts together in a row. Mm-hmm. Uh, then maybe I'd feel a little bit better. And I guess it depends on where the Cubs are actually at in the divisional and wild card race, too. But I, yeah, Quintana, I have no idea what to expect from him anymore. No idea. Which, again, that's disappointing, too, because there was one point in the season where he was looking pretty sharp. Yes. routinely and he actually did have some consistency going mm-hmm. and so for him to fall back into this routine of one day I'm great and the next start I'm awful is it's a head scratcher now it was kind of odd 
the timing. When Rizzo went down in that game, everything just kind of fell apart. And they agreed. They were kind of shook. I don't think that was the sole reason why things went downhill for Quintana. But, you know, it, it the it's timing kind of was in interesting. Yeah. yeah, it is. It is. And look, Quintana has pitched some huge games for this team. I, I sometimes don't think he gets enough credit for that. Going back to 2017, he pitched well in some crucial games. Heck, you look at last year. You look yeah. at game 163. He pitched fine in that game. The Cubs just didn't hit. Yeah, I think that Quintana at times gets treated kind of like Strope does by the fans, where mm-hmm. um, when when he's off and having a bad game, fans are really vocal and voicing their frustrations. And yeah. when he's and when he's pitching a great game, it's crickets. Yeah, and, and so I, so I agree. I agree with you in that regard. That a lot of times Quintana is underappreciated. Mm-hmm. Sure. And the whole idea behind Quintana, that whole he gets lambasted for when things go wrong, we all know the reason is. And that narrative is never going to go away, even when Quintana's gone. It's not. Yeah. Well, I mean, the the jury's still out on that one. I mean, people people act like like it's a, a done deal that the kid's going to be a perennial all-star and a future Hall of Famer, but we don't know that. Yeah, and it's people calling it Lou Brock 2.0. I'll tell you what, Quintana has done much, much more for the Cubs than Brolio ever did for the Cubs. Well, and look, could it end up being a lopsided trade in favor of the White Sox? Sure. That could absolutely end up being the case, but the fact of the matter is that would not change... The fact that that was the right move to make at the time. That does not change no matter what. Yeah, and like I said, if we get out of Quintana usefulness, that's what I want. Now, I mean, it's, it's, it's basically the same as, as, as Glaber Torres. I mean, you, you, could, you can sit here and be disappointed all you want that Glaber Torres isn't raking on the Cubs instead of the Yankees, but the fact of the matter is, is the Cubs might not have a World Series ring. You should not be mad. Nobody yeah. should be mad about that trade. And so, they and so got a World if, Series. Even if Torres ends up being a Hall of Famer and a Yankee for life, the Cubs won a World Series from it. It was the right move to make. I mean, you, you just can't have it all. No, you know, you know what's really been getting me lately, just because of how he's doing the Jorge Soler Wade Davis trade. People are now saying what a terrible trade it was because Jorge Soler is 45 home runs. And look, good for Soler, because I always liked the kid. We always knew he had this kind of potential. I mean, that, that guy hit bombs. That guy just absolutely crushed baseballs. I'm happy for the guy, too. But yeah, I mean, that's another one where you, you can't sit there and say, oh my God, you missed the mark. That's going to happen. I mean, think about it from this perspective. Why would the Royals have wanted to trade for Jorge Soler if, if they didn't think they were going to get anything out of him? I mean, do, do Cubs fans really believe that other teams are that naive that they're going to give away right. proven I mean, assets for garbage? With... I mean, there's, it, it, there's give and take there, right? Yeah. Right, of course, of course. Well, the whole thing with me is the, the Cubs got one of the best closer seasons that we've had in a long time. Yeah. 
Wade Davis was the reason they got that far. If they didn't have Wade Davis, I guarantee you they would have lost that game five in Washington. We, yeah. And he got the eight-out save in the one win they had in the NLCS. Yeah, I mean, so you, you can act like the Cubs got fleeced in that trade, but, I, I mean, the reality is the Cubs were getting more of a sure thing. Out right. Of that. Granted, it was it was short-term, but that was, that was the intention in the first place. And I Solaire mean, never would have played full-time here. Right. I mean, it's it's too crowded in Chicago. I mean, I'm He's sure the Cubs. I'm sure the Cubs knew that there was a chance that Jorge Soler would become this player. Mm-hmm. But again, the key word there is chance. Mm-hmm. They knew exactly what they were getting for Wade in Wade Davis. I mean, yes. that, and that's the risk that the Royals were willing to take, and that yes. the Cubs were willing to take too. Well, it fit a need. The Royals needed it. A- Right. Some turnover. Wade Davis wasn't going to serve them any good, saving meaningless games. The Cubs needed a closer because Hector Rondon just wasn't the same since mid-2016. The Cubs may not have won the division without Wade Davis saving the day because no, he no. reported every save but one. And with Jorge Soler, like I said, he's a DH. He's playing where there is absolutely no pressure, where he can just let it fly. He was never going to develop every day in Chicago. No. He's a DH for a reason, and he was very often injured. So it was very risky keeping a guy like that around if you didn't know what you were going to get. He is just breaking out now in 2019 at the age of 27. He came up as a highly touted prospect in 2014, and he is just breaking out now. Yeah, it's it's fans have got to get past this mentality that you can give up something for nothing. And you're not trying to fleece people; you're trying to fulfill needs. No, and nobody's trying to get fleeced. It's it's absurd. Now, are there moves that Theo's made? I don't agree with. Sure, are there things that haven't worked out? Sure, I'm not saying he's perfect, but I I just I can't imagine wanting to take away one a trade that got you a World Series and be a trade that got you another postseason run, essentially. Like, yeah, okay, it, you can go over like, some really other trades in question, but... Yeah, it's, 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 it's a bizarre mentality to hold. Okay, so go back in time and erase that trade. Okay, the Cubs don't have a World Series, but your shortstop's hitting 280. Congrats. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's like... You can have this 2016 World Series... Or you can take it back, go back in time and trade different things and take away some trades and play for what's in this mystery box. Oh, whoa, yeah. wait a minute. A World Series is a World Series, but the box could be anything. It could even be a World Series. Well, and I, I think the, the the argument that those people are trying to make is that it, Maybe they'd win. They'd have more World Series rings but right now. But you don't know that. Of course not. Of course not. You don't know that. You know, I was thinking about this today on my way home, thinking about the whole situation the Cubs are in. I remember when the Cubs were down three games to one, and it, to me, it looked like it was over. You know what I kept saying to myself? It's okay. We could just come right back next year and make another World Series run. Well, look, you haven't been back to the World Series. And the last yeah, few years... that didn't exactly happen. No, and the last <laughs> few years have been disappointing. Yeah. So 
you take every championship you get and cherish it because you don't know if you're getting another one anytime soon. That's why, just to go on a football tangent here, that's why I was so upset when the Bears lost last year because I don't know if they're going to go on another postseason run again. The I don't think so. Football changes every year. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was a golden opportunity to go on a run, and you blew it. You don't say, oh, well, you know, maybe come back next year. I mean, sure, you could say that in a positive light, but the truth of the matter is you want to take advantage of every single opportunity you get, and well, when you don't, it's tough. I think the the Bears are another good example of, of fans saying hindsight 2020. A lot of people, you know saying, oh, man, they should have taken Mahomes instead. But you don't know You don't know if Mahomes would have developed the same way. Knowing the Bears, in the Bears organization. Because it's the Bears. Yeah, you, you never you can develop a quarterback. You just don't know. I mean, certainly that's got to hurt to see that happening when you, when you took Trubisky ahead of Mahomes. But, but you don't know. You don't. There's, there's, a, there's no guarantee that Mahomes would have developed the same way. I mean, Andy Reid is under John Fox. Andy Reid's a phenomenal offensive mind. I mean, that's that's got to be part of part of the factor, doesn't it? And yes, absolutely. Andy Reid's a factor and the fact. And this I'm really not trying to take away from what Mahomes is doing, but how many of his touchdowns have been 10 yard dump passes, which turn into 50 yards because the rest of the offense made a great play? There, yeah, there's been some of those this year, but I, I think if you watch the last game, he also, I don't, it was at least one, maybe two really long touchdown passes that got called back and they were just phenomenal throws. Oh, of course. Like I mean, absolutely thread the needle perfect. I mean, so he, he does it all, but he does. And, and granted, I'm a little biased because Mahomes is my starting quarterback on my fantasy football team. And I know all of our listeners care so much about that, but um, if it makes you feel any better too, though, my running backs are absolute garbage. And unless I pull off a trade, my season is over. I'm already 0 and 2. And I, I, I've said this to you before, but I don't know if I've said it on air or off air. So I'm just going to say it again. I totally resent the fact that you have one of the best teams in our league and you auto drafted. I just hate it. it Sorry. It, it, steam is coming out of my ears right now. Sorry. I just cannot handle the fact that you have two or three better running backs than I have on my whole team, and you auto-drafted. If it makes you feel any better, the main league I'm in with the college friends, I've been doing it for many years, Drew Brees is my quarterback. Oh, that's rough. Yeah. That's... Who's your backup? Oh, God, I think it's... uh. Oh, I I have to relook because I'm too sad to look. Uh, I should probably remember this. I I do have to go out and probably get another quarterback. I don't think it's anyone of note. You know, uh, I, think- I I have Breeze in, in the league that you're in with me too. I took Breeze in like the middle rounds when people were going to start taking quarterbacks with the idea that I would trade him to somebody who was hurting for a better quarterback. And so now that's out the window too. He was going to be my leverage to get a running back from somebody, and and fantasy football gods hath forsaken me. So 
I guess that's yeah. not happening either. I took Mahomes with my first overall pick, and people can say all they want about how that's a fantasy football sin to take a quarterback first. The only two times I've ever won fantasy football leagues, I took a quarterback first. So, Oh, this will make you laugh. I really need to get a quarterback now who my backup is. It's Eli Manning. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Oh, pick up Daniel Jones. Maybe Daniel Jones had a great preseason. I know preseason doesn't mean all that much, but he was he was good. Uh, I I gotta see who's available. I really do. Yeah, you know, you I, might... I'm not gonna I'm not gonna take him, but I think Mitch Trubisky might be available. But oh, I, I don't wanna, that's I don't not wanna. a that's not a fantasy quarterback you want. The Bears no. can't score touchdowns. No, I know, I know. And the one they did was because Matt Nagy actually used his running backs the correct way. It wasn't even really yeah. Trubisky. The one, the one thing I'll credit Trubisky was making the throw that set up the Eddie Pinero game winner. But other than that. Yeah. Well, you might just have to do like week to week, like just every single week hit the waiver wire and, and see which quarterback has a semi-favorable matchup. <laughs> Josh years McCown I... has to play again. There you go. Dude, he's 40. He's I know. 40 and he's he's playing in the NFL while coaching his son's football team. <laughs> I <laughs> like, love that that's guy. that's the most carefree attitude about being an NFL player I've ever seen. Like, yeah, I'll, OK, fine. I'll join the team, but I still get to coach my boys team. <laughs> I mean, that's that's kind of cool. Absolutely. The other cool thing is the guy is just like a chill dude. Like, you know, he's yeah. not a he's not a doofus or he doesn't go around with a really bad attitude. He's just a really likable guy. Yeah, he, he's got a, a pretty chill attitude. And uh, I think uh, a few years ago, maybe he's got he's got quite a few kids. And I think one day that like it was like football jersey day or something and all his kids wore different teams he's been on. They all wore his jerseys, and he's been on so many teams. <laughs> he's got like six or seven kids, and they all wore a different team of McCown's jersey. It's pretty funny. Oh, okay. So sorry to get off topic here, listeners. I could get Jacoby Brissett, Kirk Cousins, Keenan oh, Allen, Teddy Bridgewater, Joe Flacco, Case Keenum, Andy Dalton. You know, Joe Flacco might not be that bad. No, at least not for now. And so think think about it this way: the the Broncos are not a terrific team, but I, they're still going to be vying for a playoff spot. I think. Uh, I think that they're just bad enough that they're going to be trailing in a lot of games, and so they're going to air the ball out. And then on sure. top of that, Emmanuel Sanders looks really good. Like he's, I have he's him. legit. He's legit coming back really well from an injury. So Flacco might not be a terrible pickup. No, no I think you're going to get some passing touchdowns out of Flacco. And you, the way he played the Bears, he got a lot of yards. A lot of it was dumb passes, but he got a lot of yeah. yards. Yeah, that's that. That could be a good one. They've got they've got some good receiving weapons. They're going to be airing it out. Their running back situation's a little iffy. Flacco might be the the play there. Yeah, there you go. I never thought we'd talk this much football on a Cubs show. Every once in a while, we tend to veer into football a little bit. And that's totally cool because I love yeah, football. Yeah. 
Back to the Cubs. I know we were talking about trades and we were talking about all that. The other thing I wanted to talk about with this team right now. First of all, we got to mention Anthony Russo coming back tonight, getting the cortisone shot and coming back when he was scooting around on a scooter with his ankle taped up. Because when that injury happened, ooh. It it looked it looked bad, it looked really bad. I don't yeah. know if you saw it, but yeah, scary. Uh, do you think? Are you gonna have second thoughts about this decision to play him tonight if he reaggravates the injury and he has to miss significant time? I'm gonna say no. I'm gonna say you know what the Cubs are doing you their dang hardest to try to win this sure now i i don't know how rizzo feels i'm not in his body so i can't tell if it's really a huge well push or not but the only reason i respect them for trying the only reason i ask that is because there seems to be uh this mindset that the cubs are sort of mismanaging injuries this year right and right. so, it, so it becomes hard to not second guess decisions like this, and just in the back of your mind, anyway. Here's my thing with the mismanaging injuries thing. I'm not a doctor. I have no idea how to diagnose something. Right. I do and, not know. And, and you know sometimes what? it's out if of your control. If you're listening to this too. and you're not a doctor, you're not a doctor either. And sometimes it's just out of their control. I mean, just because a player was was hurt, uh, they come back and or maybe they don't go on the injured list and then they get hurt and they have to miss significant. That doesn't necessarily mean it was the wrong call at the time. Right. Sometimes it just happens and there's nothing you can do about that. And that that would be that would be my thing is that just because uh, it ended up not being ideal does not mean that it was the wrong call at the time. Yeah, and I mean, I guess the one thing I can understand being frustrated about as a fan is when they don't put them on the IL, but they keep them on the roster and clearly don't intend to play them for a couple of days. Like, not day-to-day, but a couple of days. That's where I could be like, all right, you might as well IL them and bring somebody else. But but you look at the recent injuries with Baez getting the MRI a few days later— from what I understand, and again, I'm not a doctor, you need to wait for swelling to go down to like look at that kind of thing. Again, I I can't put any opinion on that kind of stuff because I am not a doctor. I and think I it, do not know how they feel. I think maybe that would play out differently if, if we had different circumstances. I think maybe part of the reason why they're not ILing guys who they don't intend to play is because they're, it's just because of the way the division is playing out right now if guys mm-hmm. if guys you know need a little bit rest but they still are feeling uh well enough that they could play if they had to i think that's the reason why they're not going on the il because they're in a position where like we'll see if we can get by with other guys but if push comes to shove and we feel like we're getting ready to start being buried then these guys are going to have to play and yeah what yeah. I, what I mean here, you know, is is if the Cubs had a, like a six or seven game lead in the division right now, then yeah, maybe you could afford to IL those guys if you wanted to just give them a little bit of rest. But right of now, they're in a position where they can't afford to drop any games if they can help it. 
Right. And I mean, if Rizzo really had some bad damage in his ankle and he was trying to play, I mean, that would be different. But it doesn't sound like that's the case. Again, I'm not in his body. I don't know how his ankle feels. But I think if he did feel well enough and he was ready to go out and they wanted to put him out there, then let him do it. Because to me, it shows that they're at least yeah. not giving up. And here's here's what bothers me. Here's what bothers me. Is when you hear some of these fans calling these guys soft. Really? <laughs> really? It's not always their decision to play. Sometimes yeah. it's up to the manager. And I mean, yeah. the Chris Bryant is soft thing. Okay. Keep in mind that this was the same guy who got hit in the head with a 96-mile-an-hour fastball and stayed on his feet like it was nothing. I'm just going to say that. Well, I mean, you you don't want to play with fire and, and play guys through too many injuries. Otherwise, you risk them never getting back to the level that they could. Right. And, I mean, I don't know how you call Chris Bryant soft this year. I mean, look at his look at his stat line this year. Oh, it's but phenomenal. His, his knee is bothering him. He had his shoulder it's, last year. It's <laughs> terrific. Maybe not quite as many RBIs as you'd expect, but but come on. He's got a... He's got a fantastic slash line and he's got mm-hmm. 31 homers mm-hmm. what, what what do you want he's he if he doesn't come up with runners in scoring position in every single moment he's bad did you see yeah, that he's yeah. he's passed ernie banks in home runs hit like in his first five years and this was with bryant missing a huge chunk of last season yeah well i mean here's I think this is this is why people get so frustrated with Chris Bryant, uh, and I've I've put this out on the interwebs before too. Is that, and this is you know this is just kind of a, a rough, rough number thing here. This isn't exact. It's because Chris Bryant will have a month where he hits like two hundred, and then he'll make up for it the next month by hitting like four fifty, and so so you've got one whole month of him basically not there and then an, a month of him afterwards playing like an MVP. So I, I think that's part of where the frustration comes from is that you know, overall his numbers are terrific. Uh, but it's, it's because it, it's, it's a lot of off and on. It's, it's not consistent all the way through. If you know what I mean? I know what you mean. Rizzo just hit a home run. Yeah, tie ball Just game. hit a home run. How awesome is that? Maybe, maybe this lights the spark. You know, your your team leader goes down, and you're you're feeling pretty bad about how your season's going, and then boom, he's back way sooner than anyone expected, and he's hitting dingers. Pretty cool. I mean, it, it looked like he was done for when that injury happened last Sunday. Like I said, it just it looked brutal. And you had that gut feeling that something was going to go wrong with that. Because, I mean, you already have Baez out. And then Rizzo, who, in my opinion, is their best hitter. Gut punch. Yeah. Absolute gut punch. So hopefully he can stay on the field and keep contributing because, boy, do they need him. You wouldn't be hitting home runs to center field if you if you really if it was hurting you that bad. 
off Jack think. Flaherty, no less, who's been yeah, one of the their best, best pitchers. their best starter. Got to be their best starter, I would think. Oh, yeah. Yeah, sure. especially in this stretch run that they've had. Absolutely. Absolutely. Man. I, I, I wish I could have heard the crowd when that happened, but uh, I'll watch the replay as soon as we get off. Speaking of Jack Flaherty, I mean, that's another reason to be so frustrated is you look at the numbers of all their guys in the in the rotation for St. Louis, and you come out of it thinking, geez, Jack Flaherty's really their only good starting pitcher, just based off the ERA numbers. But here the Cardinals are still in first place. Yeah, you remember when the Cardinals had all those winning seasons and playoff runs? They always had a really good rotation. Yeah. You had Adam Wainwright in his prime. You had Chris Carpenter. That's, you had Lance Lynn when he was young. It's different that's now. That's what makes this so tough is that the, none of these guys are pitching out of their minds, but the Cardinals are still winning tons of games. So, I mean, let's go down the list here. You, Michael Waka, 476 ERA uh, after that. You got uh, Hudson, 335 ERA. So, yeah, I forgot about him. He's having a good season. But that's that's one of those guys who, you know, he'll have a 480 ERA next year. The Cardinals just seem to get these guys who have these one-off years. Uh, Mikolas, who was great last year, 429 this year. I mean, that's, they're getting nothing special out of him, really. Adam Wainwright, 383 ERA. He's really up and down. He's He's one of those guys that... He either has a great start or he gets absolutely shelled. Not much consistency there. But, again, the Cubs on paper have a better pitching staff than the Cardinals do. But the Cardinals are winning a lot more ball games. Well, I think the Cardinals have a lot more balance in their lineup right now. I, again, I think on paper the Cubs lineup is much better. They just have a lot it's of guys. It's more dangerous. Yeah. yeah. It's a little bit or miss. Right. And... Also, I think their biggest weakness that I thought is doing a lot better, and that's their bullpen. Their bullpen has been a lot better from what I've seen because I thought coming to the season, their bullpen was going to be their weakest link because it kind of has been the past few years. Uh, so, I mean, they're, they're just they're closing out games. They're coming back late. And they're closing out games. Yeah, that's that. That is the key difference. The Cardinals can finish. The Cubs. A lot of times cannot. Right. That's been one of the big problems. I mean, I'm sure when this is all said and done, whether they're in the playoffs or not, when we do the next show after the regular season's over, we're going to be looking at that schedule and counting a lot of those games that they could have won. Because believe me, they add up. We, we've been angry about blown games since week one of this season, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, it's... Two weeks left, though, and you got a chance to right the ship. It's exciting. I mean, at I, least we're I, in the situation. Yeah, I mean, it's... I, I like the close finishes. I wish that the Cubs and the Cardinals could swap positions right now, but I like a close race at the end. I'm going to be watching the AL pretty closely, too, because that's, that's an interesting three-way... Uh, race between the the A's, the Rays, and the uh, Indians. I think my favorite race of this era was 2017 because it was close for a while and the Cubs were able to pull away comfortably. To me, it was a nice balance of, okay, it wasn't a complete runaway, but when it all came together, you had all the 
confidence in the world that they were going to finish it off, and they did. Yeah. So this is something that it's not that uncommon, but not that many people are are talking very much about it this year. What do you think of the Red Sox winning the World Series last year, and they're not even going to make the postseason this year? Yeah. I mean, I I knew there was going to be regression. They were putting up absolute historic numbers last year. Yeah, but this is this is a huge regression. This isn't just a little bit of regression. This is like falling off a cliff. Yeah, I didn't expect this much. I thought maybe they can make it back to the playoffs, but they wouldn't go that far because I knew their bullpen wasn't going to be nearly as good. You knew there was going to be some regression spread out. But yeah, I definitely thought they were going to be in a race until the end. They play in a very competitive division. Obviously, the Yankees are right there. But uh, the yeah, Rays, I, though. Would yeah. you would you have guessed that they'd that they'd be the Rays would be like ten games ahead of the Red Sox by now? No, no, it's no. crazy. I I mean I think everybody knew they were going to regress a little bit, maybe more than a little bit, but I don't think anybody expected the Red Sox are eighteen and a half games out of first in their division. Nobody expected that, right? I no. certainly didn't. I mean, yes, I did pick the Yankees to win the division, but I thought it was going to be like a three, four game difference. Not like that. At least between them and the Red Sox. Yeah. Yeah. It's the American League was was kind of interesting this year. I think the the twins did this year what I thought they were going to do last year. Yeah, I I just I wonder about the twins, though. I have a feeling it's going to be kind of similar to what it was a few years ago. They're going to go crazy this year, and then next year they're going to be mediocre and bad again yeah, because that's drop. what they seem to do. Yeah. What I, I got to ask you this, too. This is really it's kind of vague, but what do you think about the White Sox? Are you buying into the hype that they're going to be a really good team very soon? Right now I am. I don't know if it's going to translate, but right now I am. Because I think that... We've seen this, uh, this, I see the same article every year for the last couple of years. The White Sox are going to be really good really soon. Saw it a couple of years ago, saw it last year, seeing it this year, and nothing changes with them. And I, I think the only way that, that it's going to happen for them is if they get some really good free agents on the market and they make some big trades. Because I think that just what they've got in their organization is... Uh, I think they've got some interesting guys, but I don't think it's enough to make a real run. And if they were really getting closer to being a hot young team, I think they'd have better than a minus 141 run differential right now. Yeah, I, I have my I concerns, but... I just don't think that you go from being a team with a minus 141 run differential to uh, a dark horse postseason team in one year. So I don't think it's going to be next year for the White Sox either. Well, all I'm going to say about them is if they want to be that team, Uncle Jerry better open up his pocketbook and you better go after Garrett Cole and Anthony Rendon. You got to get at least to, one of those guys. Who wants to live on the South Side? Who wants to go play there, though? Ugh. They offer the money. Yeah, I but other teams Cole- will too. I could see Garrett Cole going there. I really could. I don't. I don't think Anthony Rendon will. I. I think the Nationals will do what they can to resign him. But if they get Garrett Cole, here's. If you want to know my biggest concern about the White Sox rebuild is, they have a lot of notable arms, 
but a lot of those notable arms have been injured a lot. Michael yeah, Kopech kind of looking, kind of looking like damaged goods at this point. Right, like with, with Michael Kopech, the kid's got electric stuff, but he's had a major surgery, and uh, it, it might be, might be one of those things where he can still have a really good career. It just may not last as long. Just the way he throws, mm-hmm. you, you see, fireballers deal with a lot of arm problems. And you could get some really good years out of him, but will he be stretched as a starter for a long, long time? I don't know. Uh, Dane Dunning is also very good, but he just had major surgery. Lucas Giolito, I think he is the real deal, but I also do want to see him in a full year after he's made this adjustment. Is this really how good he is? Our team's going to adjust to him. I I think he's going to be a good pitcher. I just, I want to see how it's going to develop over time. I do like their hitting prospects, though. I gotta say, yeah, they've they've got some talented young hitters. There's that no doubt Lewis about that. Robert might be just an absolute monster. You've seen what that kid's done. Yeah, they they've got some intriguing guys. I think just as a whole, though, I don't think they're nearly as close as they believe. Well, the one thing I also will say about them is they get to play in the AL Central. They get to play with it a is, Tigers team that's going to be bad for many years. It is a fairly weak division because, like you said about the Twins, the Twins, you know, the Twins are kind of poised for a drop off next year. Mm-hmm. The Cleveland Indians have been kind of going down a little bit every year since their World their Series run. Their window's going to shut close after this. Year, yeah, I'm telling. You. Yeah, and then you've got an absolutely putrid Royals and Tigers team. So it's I think that yeah, there's a case to be made that the AL Central is going to be the weakest division in baseball next year. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, so maybe you you, you sneak a, a run in there that way. But I still I don't buy it. I don't buy the White Sox hype. Well, we'll see because uh, there's there's a lot of reasons to go back and forth on why it can and cannot work. I mean, with me, I just they have such a pool of riches where you can make a trade for somebody big if you're in that situation. Though I, I think it, their farm may be a little top heavy. So when you call some of those guys up, you'll still have a few notable guys in the system. But I don't really know how deep it is. I, maybe it is deep. I just I don't pay enough attention to like the depth of their farm system. I just know that it's right now it's very top heavy. Because you have Luis Robert down there and the rest of your prospects you just basically called up in the last few months or they've been up at least a year. I mean, we're talking Moncada, Dylan mm-hmm. Cease, uh, Eloy Jimenez. Well, that's uh, that, that's Zach what kind of makes me wonder why they haven't made any kind of trades like that yet. I'm not sure. It gives the, the fans the impression that the front office, their their grand plan is a little cloudy because... I mean, well, I think fans are frustrated. It, it I think White Sox fans are frustrated. Feels like they're hoarding prospects a little bit, and look what that's yielded them. People Squat. are not happy with Rick Hahn right now, especially with the way they've handled Luis Robert. They are very unhappy with it, and I I can't necessarily say I blame them. No, I wouldn't either. I mean, we all thought he he doesn't he doesn't have any more boxes to check in the minors. He no. checked those boxes a no. long time ago. And you know what? If you bring him up in meaningless games, who cares how he does? 
Yeah, you I mean, play. Eventually, you have to yeah, you have to see that plan in action. I mean, right now it just kind of feels like they're treading water and waiting for all these young guys to be all stars, just like that, and that's not happening. Yeah. Well, I guess we'll see as time goes on. Uh, we're pretty much out of time here. I got to I got to say one thing then since, yes. since at the end and as most people you're a an, an Illinois guy. Mm-hmm. I'm a Nebraska guy. Mm-hmm. Nebraska plays Illinois this weekend, so I just have to say go Big Red. I know you're not an Illini alum. No. But but still I I'm sure that you you watched Illinois a little bit. Here's right? the thing. I don't have any expectations ever. Would you I call yourself an Illini fan? Yes, I am. I am. Okay. My my family has a huge history of Illinois. My brother went there. My mom went there. My godfather went there. I've okay, been so raised yeah, you're into an Illinois. Illini fandom. So uh, yeah, so I ju- I just have to say go big red then before we sign off. And that's fine. I I I, I am not affected whatsoever by Illinois suckage. I just I never ever expect anything from them but i am a fan it's actually kind of nice i can watch them stress-free because i i don't expect anything part of maybe part of that would be nice it's like it's the opposite for nebraska every single year we expect big things and every single year we get let down yeah i when you're an illini fan you just watch to watch and sometimes you're pleasantly (laughs) surprised that's kind of depressing actually just it's it's depressing, watch. <laughs> but you know what? It it feels good not having to constantly stress about games. I could just kind of sit back and relax, and whatever happens, happens. Oh God, it's totally the opposite for us because a lot of a lot of analysts pick Nebraska to win the Big Ten West this year, and then they they totally drop the ball against Colorado. Oh man, that one hurt. I don't know if you watched the Nebraska Colorado game. I heard about it. I didn't God, see any of it, down. but I heard about it. They were up 17 to nothing at halftime. And then yeah. they blew it and lost in overtime. And it, oh, so yeah, frustrating. That's, that's so that's frustrating. Yeah. That's, the Illini lost a crap game, absolute crap game uh, this week. But you know what all I said was, oh, well, sure. Whatever. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not surprised. It, it, it took them three games to do something really bad. I'm going to take that for what it's worth. I'm kind of surprised they're playing at 7 p.m. on Saturday. <laughs> like, Illinois and Nebraska is a primetime slot. Granted, yeah. it's only on BTN. It's not on, not on like, ESPN or ABC or anything, but still. <laughs> the, one, the one great memory I truly— There are two great memories, eh, maybe three, that I have of uh, Illinois football. One was when they beat Northwestern at Wrigley. That was awesome. Two was a game I was at in 2007. They beat Wisconsin. That was great. The place was going nuts. It it was fantastic. And the third was when they made the Rose Bowl. So that's about it. What's what's really sad though is you're gonna you're gonna turn on the game on Saturday and your stadium's gonna be mostly red. No, I know. <laughs> I know. I know. I, I I have to. I I just have to brag about the things that I can brag about, since the actual game play is never 
up to par with what the fans expect and hope for. Go right ahead. It, it does not affect me. I deflect that stuff like freaking bulletproof glass. It, it, well, that's it not fun. Not at all. Well, that's not fun for me. No, sorry, it's not. You're, Be you're mad. Not gonna... Get mad right now. It, I demand it. Sorry, I'm not. I don't right. expect anything. Right, I, I don't. Whatever. Let me tell you something. The last Illini game I was at was in 2016. We lost to an awful Purdue team in overtime because our kicker missed a kick after he was iced three straight times. Purdue had three timeouts. They iced him three times, and he missed it. Yeah, that's rough. And I was with my Purdue fans, my friend fans. Yeah, that's – I'm not going to lie. That's That would suck. They had like a – 13-point lead, I think, in, in that game at one point. And you know what? All I said was, oh, crap. They did it again. And then I, I, then I went on with my day. That's all you can do. All you can do is an Illini fan. So, anyway, this was a really good show. I had fun talking baseball and football with you. Uh, I want to thank everybody for listening. A reminder that our next show will be after the regular season ends. And that you can also check out Cubby's Crib at cubbyscrib.com. You can check out this podcast as well on iTunes.com. Until next time, he's Adam. I'm Alex. Have a great night.